Well, welcome to our latest edition of Techman Talks Dynamics. It seems to have been a little while since we got together. I'm, I'm joined with uh, with James, James Crowder today. Um, Hi, it's, guys. it's almost 12 months, I think, since we recorded the first episode of this, so it's uh, anniversary of, of type, but we haven't recorded one for ages. I've stepped out for, uh, I think a few other people have been on, so yeah, it seems a while since I've done one. Well, it's good to have you back. I know we've been really busy, but... Um, <laughs> That's as we, an understatement. Just an understatement. But as we come to the end of the year, we thought, uh, rather than looking back, we're going to look forward. Dynamics is on a, on a, a real push at the moment, but there's a lot a of role, momentum definitely. and a real role. So we thought we'd have a look at what uh, we can expect and a few things that we are changing as we go into uh, 2022. Um, so we've, we've dropped a few subjects down and... Um, I thought I'd throw that to you and say, where do you want to, where do you want to start with that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'm expecting kind of 2022 to be a continuation. I don't think there's going to be a major change, but the the, the trends that we've seen in 21, uh, you know, uh, the move to SaaS, the move to extensions, um, as as just started with a momentum that's just I would say unstoppable. Um, you know, uh, I was amazed when Liz came and said. Do you realize 23% of our Business Central customers are on SaaS platform now? Yeah. Uh, that was just, uh, considering we've been building the uh, the on-premise customers for what, 20 plus years and suddenly two, three years in uh, to SaaS and, and probably 18 months, two years since it became a credible platform, you know, that almost a quarter are there. Um, and we're starting to see some some of the bigger customers now her evidence. Um, just this morning, I was talking about final test for a migration from kind of uh, PaaS to SaaS. Um, you know, they didn't have a bad platform on PaaS at all. There was lots of specification, and they're saying their testing on SaaS is faster than it was on PaaS. Uh, the performance problems with Microsoft do seem to have gone away. Um, I, I guess that's uh, they haven't gone away on their own. I know the the guys at Microsoft. There's a few. Jens and, and Dimitri and a few people who've done an enormous amount of work to, uh, to to solve this out, but they do seem to have got on top of this. And and now, um, you know, uh, what they told us was the only really performance issues on SaaS are where um, there's some rogue code in the mix, um, and that's where we're putting a lot of work in to kind of uh, educate everybody about the performance guidelines and what they need to do and how they need to structure it so that. Um, we don't hit those performance issues. So that's a real, you know, if there's one big win yeah. um, and one thing that I expect, it's it's more and more customers to get SaaS ready and then make that migration. I saw some numbers yesterday that we got uh, given um, around uh, the way that people are moving off PaaS and onto SaaS. So I, I've seen like the charts, and I'll, I'll share these with everybody later, but uh, our PaaS um, usage has actually plateaued. It was been growing nonstop, almost. It was almost doubling year on year in the last three years. Now it's plateaued out, but our SaaS growth is just going up and up and up and up. And that shows as people are moving off the past platform, or we're not putting new people on because the SaaS platform is now ready to take them for for almost day one. Yeah, and I think you know we we've got a lot of um, obviously experience now of SaaS from all shapes and sizes of customers, all types. Um, you know, um, there's there's uh, there's been a couple of recent outages that we should talk yeah, about, we will, talk we through will. because you know those were uh, wow, okay, um, and they, and they were probably a bit of a shock because we hadn't had uh, you know many since the I can remember one previous to the couple that we've had. Um, you know, I think the max was four hours. Yeah, four hours is a hell of a long time if you're dependent on your system. Um, 
But, you know, I, I think we have to put that into perspective of saying, okay, uh, you know, Microsoft got it wrong. They, um, I believe the diagnosis was that it was an authentication problem. So it was an issue with logging onto the system. If you were logged in already, you were okay. If you were trying to log in fresh, then you couldn't get in for, for a while. They deployed an update to fix something and it caused problems. <laughs> Can you expect any platform in the world not to have those types of problems? Mm, I'm not sure anybody can claim uh, that 100% success rate with that. I think, you know, hopefully they'll learn from it again. It won't happen again. I would say for the people who say, well, I want to be on-prem because of that. Well, actually, guys, you're a lot more vulnerable on-prem, um, you know, and for those types of issues, it can be a lot longer actually to get it back if you're on-prem we don't you know we do our best but we don't have the hundreds of engineers that Microsoft can throw at that type of problem and you know to, to roll that back worldwide in that kind of time frame actually it's pretty good wasn't it's it pretty good results and I, I think they've got those experts is it was an authentication issue no doubt they're doing something around additional security and all the things that the, the, you know those those threats never go away for, for to be on-premise and take that responsibility yourself or with a partner, you know, that, that's quite a brave move. And I am agree with you. We, we see uh, there's always been outages. Systems have always gone down. These guys have the platform, the resilience, the expertise to get it back up around the clock. Um, so it's not ideal, but it's, and, it's a and better And actually what they did, Liam, was, was, you know, they rolled it back to the way it was before. Um, and, and they did that in, in that time frame for everybody. Um, now, uh, they couldn't roll the data back because in effect, people were still logged into the system. If you, I've already said, right, if yep. you were still logged in, you could still operate. So you could put some transaction through. So they couldn't do that bit back. They had to roll just part of the system back um, in a way that would make it work. Now, um, actually that's phenomenally difficult to know exactly how you're gonna do that. And, you know, um, I, I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, if we, if we when we were doing upgrades on-prem, you know, yes, typically we'd arrange a time and we do them out of time and date. But if, if a customer came and said, I want to roll that bit back, but not the rest of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, the preparation, the, the kind of just organization you have to need when you do the upgrade in the first place would mean that the upgrade itself to have that capability would take significantly longer. And so typically, you know, we don't get... Um, we don't do that because clients, um, dare I say, don't want to pick up the bill for that extra time for just in case. So we would, um, you know, we we could do it in a in a different way on prem. I think it's part of a, of adapting from uh, you know a single user system into a multi user, multi tenanted as it's called system. Um, there's a, a few different things there, but um, the resilience, I think, it, I think if you looked over a five year period, my bet is. Downtime on-prem versus downtime in the cloud. So far, the cloud had have a, a pretty good ratio. Yeah, I, and when we were doing far more stuff on-prem, and I was probably a lot more involved technically, the thoughts of you sort of ever, ever having to roll back and install a backup, it was, you know, your heart used to increase, the heart rate went up. You hoped it was there. He hopes it was there. And, um, you know, that that is with Microsoft, and we know that you know, they don't leave much to chance with that. It, we've never had an issue when data's gone, been corrupted or anything gone wrong uh, from their side. So I, I think, again, it's just, 
it's the better of the two evils. You so know, it's not can, well, can we talk about another evil that's hit this year um, that actually, you know, I really hope we don't see in, in, in 2022, and that's ransomware taking down on-premise systems. Um, so, you know, that's just... Um, that's where you get the heart-stopping moment when somebody rings you and says that now. And you know, we've had three instances of that, I think, in 2021. Um, one of the first might have been in back in yeah. 2020, maybe last year, I don't know. But, you know, when they kind of come on and say, um, you know, actually, we've been we've been uh, encrypted um, and, and a ransom demanded, and, you know, that's affected our... A business central system, a nav system as well, um, and then they say, actually, we found we haven't got a backup. Um, you know, and we had one just a couple of weeks ago now, where they were ringing us up saying, "Do you guys have a backup?" Um, because we've we've turns out we've lost it all. Um, you know, and these are not small organisations putting their core, all of the data, back together again is a huge job at immense cost. So. If anybody out there is listening to this um, and you haven't restored your done a test restore of your yeah. on-premise system since kind of uh, you know maybe you changed your working practices because of COVID and and not being able to be in the office every day, who's taking those tapes off site? You know if somebody does get inside your system and lives there dormant for four months and then exploits, um, how what would your what would your backup plan be? How would you survive that? If you're not thinking that through, you're naive um, because we've had organisations in the tens, dare I say, hundreds of millions of pounds that are looking at recreating their data. Manufacturing organisations, you know, one was just um, crippled them. And if they hadn't had a huge parent group, they'd have been longer. Yeah. And of course, a lot of people will rely on replication on another drive somewhere else, maybe off-site. But once it's encrypted, but that it just replicates goes straight, across. Goes straight, straight across. across. It doesn't protect yeah. you. So you need to have that backup on a tape or on some format where you know you know it's safe from back last night. You know that's where I increasingly wonder because um, I saw this weekend. You know there was another exploit that was part of something that would. You know, I, I read the description of how you exploited it, and actually, it was so easy I could have done it. Um, and it was like, just feed the right data into the right web form that's on a web server. And actually, that gives you a remote execution capability. So you can, ex, you know, start what you like. If it, in, in effect, tell that remote server to go to this site, download something and execute it, which is what you need to get some nastiness inside your systems. And then it will just it will just proliferate across once it's inside your your kind of firewalls and protection. Um it, it can just go across. So these exploits are coming all the time. Um, you're going to have to sit there and, and spend a lot of time and, and effort patching and just keeping up to date with all of this. Just saying we've never had a problem, so we'll never have a problem. I'm afraid nice. is how the three customers um, that we've got. You know that that was symptomatic of I think of of, of where they were. Um, but you really don't want your management coming to you and saying, when are we going to come back up? And you saying, I've got no idea. It's a retyping job. And, you know, we're looking three to four months because that's what it takes. And, and, and how do you, what do you tell your customers in the meantime? It's just, it's horrific. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, that where um, I know some people say, well, it's much cheaper on-prem than it is in the cloud. Actually, look at the total cost and look at protecting your on-prem system. And I think, you know, uh, I'd never heard of a ransomware attack where the customer was based on Azure. 
Um, I haven't heard of one, and I, 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 I think you probably pr- pretty quickly would because it would be pretty well, credibility. Um, um, but th- that, that's where Microsoft bring that extra layer. Don't they? They've got security experts. They've got software that they use, which is available to us all, I guess, to a point, but at a great cost. And, and we don't have those teams yeah, of experts you know, constantly s- setting reviewing. up things like two-factor authentication and all of that stuff is kind of a few minutes top work. Um, whereas if you want to do that from premise systems, you've got to kind of work out how that works and you know go and, and, and spend money. So uh, yeah, the clouds, you know, I don't think the cloud's significantly cheaper, but when you factor in everything that you should be doing on premise, I don't think it's more expensive either. Um, and, and certainly, you know, SaaS, it's just there, it's all done for you. We don't even have to do it. Um, our, our, um, you know, what we need to do for SaaS is changing from what we needed to do for PaaS, which I guess brings us on neatly to the topic of managed services, doesn't it? It does. So uh, you're absolutely right. Although we're sticking it in the cloud and a lot of stuff is taken care of, there is still some some tasks, some jobs, some routines you need to look at. The rate of upgrades that we know coming down the line now with Microsoft almost on a monthly basis with, with smaller releases you need to have somebody helping you. We would uh, suggest a, around getting that in a position where it is just happening and you're reliant on it. Yeah, and that's continuous because, you know, those updates, well, you know, we had uh, the release of, of version 19, um, 2021 wave two in October. You know, we're already on 19.1. That's hit in the last week or so. Um, 19.1 changed something around warehouse shipments um, that, you know, meant that actually some of the, uh, integration with courier software, uh, we had to make a slight change to work. So we've got to we've got to make sure that when you update to nineteen point one, that extension, which is from AppSource, also comes in as well at the right time, so that ineffectively that still works through. So, you know, that's where um, it, it, that's where again the scale of this works. So yes, customers, you know, you can. We, we've we've developed a kind of set of services that we're calling self service. Uh, this year, that's what we've tagged it with, uh, where customers say, we want to do much more of this ourselves and take responsibility. We're, we're fully on board with that. If that's what you want to do, that that's great. Um, you know, We'll support you and we can be the consulting services when you've got those questions and, and your expertise reaches limits or, or, or you want to do something new. Um, we can provide consulting services around that. But the opposite side of that, that fence is kind of uh, fully managed um, rather than self-service, and that's where the managed service comes in of saying we will check. Um, you know, and actually, for us to do that at scale, I talked about the twenty-three percent. Um, now getting towards the hundreds of customers on SaaS, you know, we can discover um, in one set of testing what we need to do to quite a lot of the others. This is where standardised product, um, you know, and certainly, obviously, we've got our own Clever Dynamics products that we're, we're very on top of what changes need to be made because we're testing. 60, 90 days before release, um, what what we need to do with those. Um, but even third, the more and more third-party products um, that we're we're seeing, um, you know, it, it's very rare. You just you don't get um, a client on SaaS with two, three, four, ten third-party ISVs, making sure they all still work together. Um, Microsoft aren't going to do that. They're going to make sure their stuff works. We need to make sure the rest of the stuff works. And that you know, that takes a bit of work, but we can do that at scale. We can discover, and then we can apply it to all those customers um, and, and bring that expertise to play. So I think that's, um, you know, we've got some great telemetry. We've got some great um, 
APIs now that, that just pull us back so we know exactly. Even if you install something as a SaaS customer from AppSource yourself, uh, the following day we know about it um, and effectively we can add it to the things that we're checking when the next uh, update cycle comes into play. So we've we've obviously formalized that. We've been doing it for customers over probably the last year or so, haven't we? Since we've seen the move to SaaS, we've now formalized that. We've documented what we are doing. And uh, huge, huge amount of learning. I mean, I, I remember sitting two years ago and kind of probably three years ago now when SaaS first launched and it was financials only and saying, this is the sort of things we're going to need to do. Um, and, and you know, I, I was naive. Um, what we actually need to do is, is a fair bit more than I thought we needed to do, if I'm um, brutally honest. And, and also the tools, you know, things like the telemetry, the telemetry, um, so, you know, the, the telemetry is fantastic. And Microsoft has been bang. Uh, there's a guy called Kenny. Um, respect, Kenny. You were, t- you were saying this 18 months ago, and I was like, yeah, yeah, Kenny, you, you're talking about telemetry again. I'll get around to learning it one day. But now, you know, when a customer goes onto SaaS and they open a page, and that page takes longer than a defined period of time, we can have a little alert that comes through to say, the customer, this customer has tried to open this item card and it's taken four seconds, okay? And so we can look at that and we can see the trend on that and we can go, ooh, okay, something's going wrong there. Something something that, that we've added in from ourselves or a third party you know, is starting to make that a bad experience for the customer. And so we can be ahead as part of that kind of managed service. We can be ahead of that where we're contacting you and saying, Posting that sales order seems now to be taking an order out of time. You're trying to pull back this information and this query is taking longer than we think is an acceptable period of time. What, you know, what, what, what have we added onto those pages? We can look at that and we can say, well, actually we think we need to make this change to tune that so that actually that performance continues. And you know, that sort of stuff you're talking, this is the sort of stuff that SAP Enterprise you know, if if you were on SAP with ten thousand users, you'd have a team of people sat there in an enterprise company, just monitoring, just what's doing going it and, and running it, and that would be the SAP team. What they did now, actually, we can bring that down to a, a customer that's got you know five users on Business Central in the cloud, and and um, you know, and if you actually fifty, sixty users on Business Central, the mid market, which is is where SaaS is now starting to gain real traction. Um, you know, that can make your organization run much smoother because we can get ahead. We can be, for the first time probably, we don't have to wait for the support call. And you know, the first support call we'll say, well, what were you actually doing? Can you just remind me? Um, we actually know which page, the page number, all the rest of it of what you were trying to do and the, the, the order you were trying to process come to that and, and you know, users. With due respect, I'm not, um, you know, it's not their job to record enough detail to tell us um, what they can do. Um, you know, users, another great change that's happened that we're starting to use is the error message that comes up on BC SaaS has an extra little link in it that allows you to download a load of information that you can supply to us as a support service so we can go back. It's called a stack, um, a copy of the stack as we call it. Now that's every process that was going on on your user session and some of the data that's associated so we can see exactly what that field to was set even if it wasn't on the screen that you know we think is the difference why did it get there and so on so we we've got much much better tools to do um Analysis, a better yeah. let, let, you know it's not kind of this 
error has to happen 42 times before we actually work out what the cause was um, and, and actually can fix it. So I think going forward, we're going to be much on it. It means our support team, the knowledge in there, we're having to spend a lot of time upskilling and giving them some you know new capabilities. Um, it's where you know that's going to see increasing divergence between the people who are on the later versions of Business Central and the older versions of NAV. If you're back on, uh, just talking to somebody who's, who's, who's back on NAV 2017, and you know, yes, we can still do what we've always done, but guys, the experience you're going to have is what you've always had, and it's going to be. Uh, and you, I have to say, it's natural that the people who are doing that, the support for that, are going to go. Well, if you were updated, we'd be able to do a much better job for you. And that that's a little bit frustrating when we know we could have solved that problem so much quicker, so much easier, and, and given you a much better experience if you're on the later versions. Well, one of those classic things you used to say on support was, you know, can you recreate the, the error? Yeah. Okay, that's the first thing we want yes. you to do so we can track it back. And if, if that information now is available to us on the later versions you don't get asked that horrible question and you always feel an idiot when you try and recreate it as a user and it doesn't go wrong the yeah, time you're on the support and, and, call. You know, the dependent data because it's not necessarily the data you try, try typing in. You know, I always use the analogy of you have to have the exact same quantity in every bin in your warehouse and every every outstanding warehouse transaction You know, to, to determine whether I can, why should it not pick from that bin and it's kind of, it's a nightmare to try and recreate that exact point in time situation with data you impossible really um so you can all you can do is keep guessing until you kind of find that problem and and can go at it so look there is some real um uh, i would say innovation from microsoft that's um you know that that's coming um that's now there um but you need to be on BC uh, BC 19 um uh, you know and and even BC 19 Point one has got better capability than 19 had. So this is where it's moving on all the time. And um, you know, I think we're, we're gonna see two groups of people. Um, I think the partners out there who are still saying, look, stay on your existing version long-term. We'll keep doing a bit of development for you to add this, that, that, whatever. Mm, try adding some of those capabilities. Um, you know, that's not that's not a developer sitting there in CAL creating. That's in the core platform. You can't add that. So, uh, you, you, know, just, I, you I, just the gap then though between you know where that customer is compared to where business central is. The jump becomes too big to make. It's a re-implementation. You can't upgrade. See, all you do is kicking the can down the road. You some of those hidden benefits that you just run through. Uh, you know, people expect to have new functionality, new features. Those type of things, the the an end user probably wouldn't get too excited, but put it in a support case, they go, well, actually, yeah, to have to have that stack. So the really other thing that really you, you know I expect to continue in twenty twenty two is is what I call proliferation of apps, um, and this is you know we've got customers, um, uh, Craig at Carvers, I'm thinking of you, um, you know, who are going into App Source and finding apps there by third parties and saying this looks great for us, this would really help. Um, yeah, we can do it. Now, um, finding stuff in App Source, you know, there is a qualification process you should go to through. It, uh, App Source has got a lot of apps in it now. Not all of them. Not all of them are applicable to any customer. Um, and you know, the quality, the organisation behind them, putting an app in App Source, I have to say, is the easy bit. And you know, understand this one hundred and ten percent with with. Um, 
uh, with the clever with my clever dynamics hat on, and and also you know it's great at, at directions. The re- recent industry conference, you know, one of my c- compatriots um, was saying like you know what you need to do to keep it in AppSource and what you need to do, um, to, sorry, what you need to do to get it in AppSource, and then what you need to do to keep it in AppSource. Keeping stuff in AppSource with the rate of change from Microsoft is, is you know, it's 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 a lot of work. Um, so I think we are seeing a maturing of that because there's a lot of work. Those apps who've got like three customers are suddenly realizing how much work's involved and going, you know what, we need to charge a bit more for that. So we're starting to see some price changes of, of, of what people are charging for stuff that's in there so that they can, it's commercially viable for them to do that. Actually, the ones that it's more commercially viable, the ones have got traction and got a lot of users and a lot of customers out there because... The, 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 the subscription adds up, and and so you know you're starting to see some shakeout. I think you can't. It's not very easy to take it out of AppSource if you've got a couple of users in AppSource. Hmm, you've got a whole bunch of reputational damage if nothing else. Um, and yeah, Microsoft are going to be um, not happy with you for taking it out of AppSource. So once you're in there, you're stuck within there, but you can leave it in there and do very little. But actually, that you know, as a customer, that's not what you want. So. That's where I think some kind of uh, you need to you need to go through, you know, what's their re- re- recent roadmap been? Um, how many releases have they done to keep up with you know the changes from Microsoft? And and there are some changes that you perhaps again as an end user wouldn't appreciate. So uh, you know, one of the big ones that's coming down the line is authentication. So um, third parties connecting into Business Central. Um, typically, for you know, since two thousand and nine, we've used web services, um, and initially that was something called a SOAP web service. Um, you know, um, like technology does, that's been you know, uh, in effect, SOAP is is quite a verbose. The message that goes backwards and forwards is quite big, quite very. Uh, you know, it's XML, so it, it's structured XML. Everything's got a start and end. Um, it, 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 you look at an XML message, it goes on for a while. That's been replaced really a lot of uh, modern system re- used to what's called REST. Um, it's a lot more, uh, which uses a, a structure called JSON. Uh, you know, JSON's a lot more um, efficient in that it's smaller. It just has, a, it understands that it needs a set of tags at the top, but then it's just rows of data. So you can say, in effect, the modern up-to-date equivalent of the CSV file um, with, a, with a line at the top describing what it is. Um, so Microsoft are moving towards REST, the new API pages that they introduced a couple of years ago and have you know, consistently enhanced um, use, use REST. Um, and that works very, very, uh, you know, actually that's, that's better than um, SOAP. Uh, in, in Business Central, um, so in effect, it, you got a performance boost by using API. SOAP, they've discontinued SOAP uh, pages. You can't publish a page as SOAP anymore, and, and I would think the writing is on the wall for the rest of SOAP at some point. Um, so you know, code units will disappear at some point as well. What we do know is going for definite is. Um, the web service key authentication. So again, when you were setting up that interface, typically you specified a username and you had a password key that didn't expire um, uh, uh, that you put into your connecting system so that it could authenticate through to Business Central. Um, 
that's considered to be a security hole. Um, I think probably Microsoft are a bit more enthusiastic because it's also considered um, you know, one user could it facilitated multiplexing, you could argue, okay. because multiple people could use that username and password that never expired to connect through and push data into yeah. Business Central. You couldn't open the web page, you had to use a third-party system, but you could push data from that third-party system. So, you know, now Microsoft are moving, so in effect you, uh, what's called service-to-service, -service, S2S, um, uh, as we typically tag it, authentication will be mandatory from April, um, that means things like you know people who use our clever handheld. Uh, there's an upgrade coming for that, that that we'll need to go through for all our SaaS customers. Again, it's part of the managed service to make sure that's in in time and so on. We have that in and working, uh, just about to publish it into AppSource, um, and that allows one system to talk to another. So uh, you register the application as having uh, uh, um, permissions to talk. To your business central system um, and, and that works through so you know customers will log into uh, the device using their office 365 authentication and then come back through um, through so the need for uh, users within business central who are not part of you know not uh, office um, in the azure ad domain um, you know, they don't necessarily have to have an Office 3 subscription, but they have to be in the usual. That really is getting um, very old hat. And again, you probably say in a few years' time, the writing's on the wall for that. I, I would um, speculate. I don't know that, but I would speculate. Um, because again, the security is just a massive security hole. Usernames, passwords, um, you know, with no enforced changes and all the rest of it outside the security policies um, and security, as we've covered five minutes ago in my little yeah, ramble, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, is, is, is there. So there are reasons for them doing it, but it's it's change coming down and, and you know, that change needs to be managed. So this is where it all connects together. Okay, okay. So we're, we're offering those services now to help people with these changes. Obviously, for some people, that, that sounds very technical, um, listening to you too. I know it's it's not from a... Well, you know, if, if, if you like that sort of stuff, go self-service. If you don't... We'll do it for you for managed service. Absolutely. Okay. And and as we've been doing that for pass, it's now available for SaaS. And I think we are, you know, if you, if you are a Techman customer, have, have a chat with your account manager about any impact it's going to have, uh, well, not the changes, but from the service and what we can help and, and get that up. You and know, and it, it's where um, actually, um, you know, I'm always looking at Techman and, and where we need to evolve. Um, that's not for the technology's sake. It's like, what is the customer going to need from us to have a smooth, easy, straightforward experience? I think um, you know, uh, they just want to ship boxes or do whatever they do. Um, you know, it's it's our job to take care of the technology and be able to warm and, and, and be one step ahead. Um, hopefully, a couple more than one step ahead, but at least one step ahead. Yeah. Okay. So th those are some changes. I know um, that Microsoft are. Well, you told me before we we started this that Microsoft are going to release the um, the twenty twenty two. Um, it's wave relentless. one. It's I know. Yeah, it feels like we just finished talking about wave two this year. Wave one is on going to be announced hey, at the end, end know, of January. I, I, we, we thought nineteen came out in October. You know that was that's now almost three months ago. Yeah. So um, you know in early January we'll start thinking about the next big one, which is uh, which is March. Um, you know so uh, yeah, twenty fifth of January they release the notes for that, and I think we'll uh, we plan a podcast uh, a day or so yeah. when we've worked out what the hell. Uh, what the hell they're talking about? Maybe. They're always very popular. The, uh, the the 
wave release notes when they're released on the, the podcast. And, uh, we have, and they we have should good be because, um, you know, predicting, I've always said, um, one of the reasons, uh, you know, I've always spent a lot of time talking to Microsoft, it's a huge time soak that um, I can't put on a timesheet. I can't send an invoice to Microsoft for my time. Absolutely. But why would you um, Why would you do that? And, and you know, if you know what's coming, you can better plan. And, and so, you know, that's where we do a certain amount that, so that the guidance we can give to customers about what, how they spend their money, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's always gutting when a, mic, when a customer spends money on something that turns out to be a dead end um, after a, a relatively short space of time. You need to be able to get your money back. Um, so you know, by knowing better what's coming, we're able to give better advice to say, actually, you know what, you're asking for that today, but if you wait three months, uh, you know, and, and one of the announce- announcements that came out of Cycle is Shopify. So um, actually, it was Shopify, I think, that, that prompted this back in, uh, November, I think, October, November timeframe. It was October, actually. It was, it was after the, the Wave 2 release, but um, I think a couple of weeks into, um, it was before the, the Directions Conference, but it was, a, it was a separate announcement. And it was an announcement by Shopify. Uh, Microsoft had done an agreement with Shopify to, that Shopify would release um, I, I assume into AppSource a connector um, from Shopify that will be certified by Shopify themselves for connection of Business Central to Shopify. Um, so two two aspects of that. I mean, one there's a, there's three or four uh, solutions in AppSource already by third parties who it connected to uh, Shopify, connected Business Central and Shopify. You do feel a little bit sorry for them because um, you know they will. I was talking to a couple of them, um, and one in particular, the one we probably recommended, and and kind of you know they think they will be able to provide more functionality. They think they're more aware of what customers actually want than perhaps either Microsoft or Shopify will be. And hey, there's a good, you know, um, arguably every reporting tool. <laughs> That's ever been sold against Business Central is doing just that. You know, there's reporting tools in the product, but they provide something that's better enough that customers want that they'll pay the premium for it. So I don't think those products are dead in the water, but it's probably a, a bit of a shock when it's the publisher big, rolls yeah. up on your lawn and, it's, and it's parks some, their tanks. Some real you know? competition there, isn't there? You're going to look at what's out the box before you, uh, or what the publisher does before you go and look at a third party. But we've seen it before, haven't we, where, especially when Microsoft initially released, it'll be interesting when we get the full details. I know they've they need to, um, announced some of to the... To see what it will do, yeah, in inter- reality. Integration um, and, and, you know, what the... Will... Are, are Shopify going to publish this free of charge effectively and just... You um, use it to drive uh, potential e-commerce sites to Shopify, and they'll they'll recover their um, investment money f- yeah. with your Shopify subscription. You know, in which case um, it's going to be a very cheap e-commerce option, I would say, because a Shopify shop isn't expensive. No. I don't know whether there'll be a level of Shopify that you need to subscribe to 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 have the integration. Sometimes that's how it works. Um, you know, I think. Um, You've seen that with multiple ones. Salesforce are a classic for that. You can go and get Salesforce for a very small amount of money, but as soon as you want to link it to anything else, you're up to the enterprise version, and that's 100 quid a month. So um, 
it, it, it's 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 car syndrome, isn't it? Where they always have a very basic, stripped back one that nobody's actually going to want to drive in the showroom, just so they can say on the adverts from this figure. <laughs> um, how many times there's on that car? Who knows? That's very cynical, but yeah, I, I think I think you're, you're probably right. Well, it'll be really interesting when we get those details, and hopefully, I think it is quarter one in twenty two. They're going to have that. Yeah, they announced it quarter one. Um, so as soon as um, you know. Uh, will for certain be firing it up and perhaps again uh, future podcast to go through that in detail because um, uh, you know that I think that will be interesting to a lot to say well even if you're just selling off obsolete stock via a Shopify site you know and, and you can set one up that's kind of a what we call a, a deniable brand is a common <laughs> thing that we see with customers where they don't want to compete with their customers so they set something up that's kind of completely different name but actually it's shipped out of their warehouse and and if they're doing uh, fulfillment for customers actually to do fulfillment for your own e-commerce as well is not difficult to do you might limit the products in it or whatever so I can see that being a popular option and it will be interesting to see you know whether that starts to attract it won't have the account management features in it I fear that that the kind of things like Sana have um, and and some of the other common uh, you know fully integrated b2b um, sites have um, but then again you know Shopify uh, you can just uh, write extensions for Shopify so how extensible is that capability going to be who's going to take that on perhaps that's where the Shopify experts in our community are going to kind of differentiate themselves over and above the standard connector well there's going to be a range of products out there for, for e-commerce and I think again for customers it's just to look and find what's right for them they've got particular needs find the limitations of, that they all have and, and which one fits you best and, and plumb for that with them so I think final topic for this is subscription because when you're talking about you know one product leapfrogging another and, and kind of giving capability that you wish you had that's the one thing that we're really starting to see actually is subscription gives you that capability if you buy a perpetual license you know you're always stuck with it and and nobody ever fancied throwing that in a bin you were making a one child you know for goodness sake look at the look at the divorce rate now you know not many people get married for life these days let alone stick with the same software for life so you know um perpetual license is till death do us part um, in a way or, or, a, um, or a messy divorce when you want to change yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so um, you know uh, but look if, if if a good looking uh, other half comes comes walking down and, and gives you the wink in, in app source and you're on subscription you can change horses here people so um, maybe that's not a politically correct thing to, to say but um, and uh, I'm sure I'm get, I'll, I'll you know get told off for not being uh, as committed but um, software you want to change if there's something better out there um, you know and and you can change like Shopify um, subscription gives you that option you really should make sure that the subscription is justified for what it does today um, you know and, and treat it as a rental purchase rather than a long-term investment purchase and and the other thing is keep the records keep the kind of description of what how, what you what you use it for so that actually you know we don't have to re kind of start doing analysis of process before we can change to the other product because often that in the, in terms of consulting time is working out what you actually do rather than um, making the new product do it that that can take the time okay. um, 
So I guess, you know, that's, um, so one of the, the innovations this year that I think will grow, um, so Techman introduced an LMS, uh, we started working with an LMS, learning management system, so online uh, training system that um, we got LMS 365, um, yeah, there's a there's a sort of small subscription for it, so it's kind of, it's five quid it's per, five per user per, user per month, it, it's, not, it's not a huge amount. Um, but it, 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 there is a cost to it. What we can do is, you know, we've put a lot of effort this year and started to use um, training on standard product and on some of the clever products as well are, are following that in. Now, uh, why use that rather than just a YouTube video? Well, um, you know, we can stop it every two or three minutes and we can ask a series of questions, which tends to keep the person watching it, their attention tends to be a lot more uh, focused, shall we say, if, if they know that there's a question coming. Um, I do that, I'm sure everybody else does that as well. Uh, we can, um, and we can monitor who's done what course. So, we, you know, we have in effect uh, a schedule of, right, you, you did the first 11 segments of this particular topic. Um, you've got three left to do. So we, we can provide that information. What, what we've started to do at the back end of the year, which I think is just going to explode in, in 2022, is doing customer-specific ones. So blending what Business Central does as a standard with what this specific customer's uh, process is. Okay, so rather than putting that down as, um, as a piece of paper that um, you know does gather dust, albeit they're PDFs now, it's a good job, um, it tends not to get lo looked at until something goes wrong and, and then you go, oh, well, actually, we evolved that and we evolved that and we evolved that several times and we never updated the documentation. Um, you're recording what you're doing. You know, in terms of putting stuff in the LMS, you're really running through a scenario and, and you're recording it and then typically going back and putting some uh, commentary around why you've done what you've done and you can pause it so that you know your, your commentary can keep up with what, what's been recorded. Now that process is actually quite, quite uh, you know, it's not a long-winded process. I would argue it's quicker to do than actually writing it in Word and have to each screenshot and then put a, you know, type up a load of description between each point. Putting it in an LMS also means that when you get a new starter or somebody moves role, um, you know, you can just point them at LMS and say, "Well, um, if you want this rock job, here's your induction, here's yeah. your induction yeah. process." You know, and, and we find even moving role that's useful in, in inside a company. To somebody's got to cover for somebody's holiday, spend an hour reading through this. There's your starting point. You know, to Rather than and you, it stops a lot of the hand-me-down training where you know someone oh, watches Chinese someone Chinese whispers training yeah, do it again, like this. it's kind of like yeah this is the way I do it I don't know why I do it that way but this is the way I should be doing it so we can we can document that and bring that and I think that's you know I, I, I think that's going to explode yeah at the end of those segments I think it's nice that the user goes through that and they, they're told you know you've passed the little quiz at the end you know what you're doing now to, and, and that's visible to the HR team if, you, if you're in that type of organisation yep. so it can be part of their personal development it's not you learn the product, you know you've had the right training, and your company know that you've done what you need to do to get there. So yeah, and I think you know we're looking at. Um, you know, I was listening to the employment figures today, and you know there's there's Back to less people out of work or, or less people actively seeking work than there is vacancies now. So you're keeping your existing people and want to you, you can throw more money at them, but actually. Um, making them believe that they're being developed and they're learning new skills and so on and, and you know having LMS access um, is part of that I think uh, I think a real strong 
uh, trend I expect to significantly expand in 2022. Okay. Well, I'm really conscious of the time. Um, I've yeah. also got to dash because I've got a, I've got a booster jab. I've got to get my my third booster in in a minute. But um, there's so much happening. I mean, it's as you go into 2022, we, you've, you've probably gone through four or five different things there, James. And that's even without thinking about it, really. Uh, um, so it's just it never stops. Um, I hope you know the podcast continues to allow people that don't live and breathe dynamics like like we do, especially yourself, that they can at least see what's happening, see those big milestones that are coming, and what they need to be aware. Of, so well, it's our job to signpost, right? Absolutely, that's what we're here for, and um, I hope it's it's useful to to those people that are listening in today. But but thank you as always. I've all, I, I've learned more today. I know soap rest. I'm getting there um, on the technical side as well a little bit. So so and, thanks uh, for that. So uh, I think probably happy Christmas and uh, a very good New Year to all of uh, all of the listeners and clients and out there. Um, have, have a great break if if that if your job allows you to and if you don't then um you know wh- whichever way um looking forward to 2022 and uh come talk to us and and we're looking forward to doing even better service um through the next year yeah absolutely. exciting times I, I absolutely agree with that so yeah have a fantastic break a fantastic christmas and we look forward to doing loads more in 2022 thank you for joining us uh, for this episode of tech man talks dynamics yeah